we criticize these kind of neoliberal moves in academia so much, but at the same time, we give it our most personal stories and our most personal relationships, which on the one hand can serve to kind of disrupt this, these academic expectations, but on the other hand, they can also be co-opted. Yeah, just using I, uh, which I take as a representative of like this whole auto-reflexive turn, doesn't solve all the issues that we have with academia or neoliberal academia. Welcome to Opinion Peace. I'm your host, Slajana Lazic. My today's guests are Dr. Katarina Kusic and Dr. Jakob Zahora, editors of the open access volume, Fieldwork as Failure, Living and Knowing in the Field of International Relations. Through 13 chapters written by early career researchers, this edited volume engages with fieldwork experiences and politics of methods in IR through the concept of failure. In their personal and analytical reflections, the editors and chapter contributors take the concept of failure from a personal and effective reaction towards epistemological, political, and structural points that the concept of failure reveals. They say failure can be productive, Failure can also present a resistance towards neoliberal hyperproductivity. Some failures, however, never turn into anything productive, and that is okay too. While they grapple with disappointments and feelings of failure that arise out of personal and structural expectations and images of ideal researchers, the authors of the chapters and the editors also acknowledge the joy of doing research through fieldwork and the value of community that they've built through vulnerability and intimacy in writing about fieldwork's failures. As uncomfortable and hard as it gets, still admitting the failure and exploring it as an academic project is also quite a privilege. As Katarina put it, to think about failure, we have to have come out to the other end quite well. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Here with me today, I have Katarina Kushit and Jakob Zahora, and we are supposed to talk about their relatively recently published edited volume, uh, Fieldwork as, as Failure, or Fieldwork, uh, Failure, and IR, uh, Living and, and Working Within IR Discipline, uh, where they focus on, uh, or they engage with, with fieldwork experiences through a concept of failure and the politics of, of methods in IR. So welcome to Opinion Peace, both of you. And, Thank you. Thanks for the invite. I think we can just start by kind of looking at, or you telling me why, why looking at fieldwork through the prism of failure. What is the the political use of using political and analytical use of using concept of failure, the concept of failure, or discussing the experiences for field, from fieldwork and the politics of methods in, in IR. So, uh, yeah, no, so I, I might start and then Katarina oh, will uh, fill in the many blanks I will leave behind. Uh, no, so basically, um, I think what is potentially interesting at least is that it actually didn't, it was kind of organic process, I would say, how we came to the whole notion of failure. That uh, it's something that um, just like kind of showed up in conversations that we had, because uh, basically we took uh, a 
on a class or like summer a summer school class on ethnography together. And then when we met a couple of years after that at a workshop where we presented kind of uh, res um, results of our research, we both, and not just the two of us, but more people, we agreed that, um, or we kind of converged on the notion that like in many regards, our respective field works were a failure. You know? So that was, uh, it wasn't, uh, well, at least that's how I remember it, Katarina might feel differently, but you know, that, like, for me, it was something that I wasn't really thinking about. It wasn't like uh, some concept that I would come up with based on like some deep academic reflection. It was really more like kind of emotional reaction and like emotional label rather than analytical. Um, so, and then when we start thinking through it, uh, we kind of realize there are like uh, bigger stakes, uh, yeah, analytical, political, academic, disciplinary, and so on. But how it kind of emerged was much more, yeah, really non-reflective, I would say. Um, I don't know if Katarina agrees. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, yeah, we met at the ECPR Summer uh, School for Methods, and it was uh, on ethnography. And then we didn't speak to each other for a few years. And I just remember seeing your, your email on the list of emails for these participants list uh, for the workshop in London. And then I, I, I remember we us talking about, so how was the ethnography? And we were both like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm gonna write my PhD, but the ethnography was not a real, I think that's the, that's the a term we use, not a real ethnography, it was like a failed ethnography. Um, and I think, yeah, and I think we did kind of go into it perhaps a bit naively because we were like failure. Okay, this is what we need to do. But then we, we weren't really aware of the literature that already existed on failure. So that kind of came later. Um, and especially especially as we, as when we met, uh, the second step was meeting for the early career researchers workshop uh, at the EISA in Prague. And then like we really saw kind of the, the productivity of such thinking. And I think when it comes to when it comes to kind of what we try to do with it is basically like replicate this. I think Jakub called it organic quite well. This process of like taking failure as some like an effective reaction, something that we, something that you just feel is happening, and then from there to build towards political and epistemological points and structural points. And I think that's kind of how our own process went. And I think that's kind of what we tried maybe unconsciously to replicate in the book as well, to kind of make that jump from um, these personal effective reactions to, to these like bigger or big issues um, in academic knowledge production. Uh, you are saying that failure arises from expectations, right? And these expectations have different sources, but you look at the expectations that arise in the process of being in the field or while, while the researchers are in the field and in the process of writing up. So would you tell us a bit more about, you know, the relations between failure and expectations and, and what kind of both failure and expectations the contributors kind of uh, reflect upon in, in the stages of uh, in the field work, uh, actually really physically in the field work and uh, in the writing up stages? The book is kind of, it has three major parts. And the before we even go to kind of um, into field work, we talk about um, successfully making the researcher and about situating knowledge. Because I think as we, as we receive the contributions, and especially in Prague, because the workshop was really, and this is not coming just from us, but from other people who were there, it was really a productive conversation. Um, and it was really great because we also had a more senior researchers there. So we had uh, Beryl Gleisemann de Guevara and Ximena Kurovska, 
who were there in a very useful way to remind us kind of that this feeling of failure is not just an early career um, conundrum. You know, they, they really insisted on this stays with you. And this is something that you constantly work with and work through. So, and I think that kind of the idea that this is not something that's specific to PhD or specific to post-PhD precarity that kind of pushed us into these more structural issues. Uh, but in the in the outline of the book, I think what we really try to do is to, at the beginning, is to emphasize that there are these expectations and there are these images, ideals that start working on us much before we even get to field work. So this is like the idea of successful making the researcher, what kind of researcher it has to be. I think you recently discussed a book in which it's referred to as the Indiana Jones syndrome. And I think here we, uh, uh, we particularly drew on another uh, volume by uh, Rebecca Hansen and Patricia Richards that they talk about sexual harassment in field work. But more than just talking about sexual harassment, they really kind of come out with these myths of um, intimacy, danger, and solitary research that kind of function that function as these kind of structuring ideals um, during fieldwork. And I was also particularly interested in the, in the second part of the book, we, we talk about situating knowledges in this kind of perhaps an epistemological paradox in that you go to fieldwork to kind of access other people's experiences and to access other perspective and to access all of these things that you cannot access from your desk. But then at the same time, kind of with an interpretivist outlook, you know that there is no way to really access those other experiences. So it's kind of this push and pull of this uh, paradox or like failure that's, in, in, like that, that's epistemologically constitutive of the reason why you go there and the way that you, that we, that you deal with it. So that's kind of why we had, um, I think, the first two sections. Basically, what it was interesting was that like, um... And sorry, I will continue, but like just a note that what was interesting at the workshop and uh, in the conversation which kind of surrounded it was that really, even though we all felt like that the failure was kind of singular in the sense that it's personal failure, then we found out that there are many kind of shared uh, failures uh, across very different fieldworks, I would say, you know, uh, in, terms of, in terms of geography, in terms of like uh, subject area and so on. And so just that it was just a note that. Uh, even though like the, the individual contributors would focus on one section as like, yeah, this like expectation before entering the field, expectations as to who the proper researcher is and then what transpires in the field. Like uh, I think a lot of people could kind of relate to other aspects of this whole fieldwork failure. But um, what we then, uh, so it's more like a heuristic divide, I would say, but uh, in terms of the volume. But like what we then focus is on uh, relationships in the fieldwork. You know, like how, and um, this is kind of extension to what Katarina was saying, because yeah, again, there is this idea of like ethnographic yeah, intimacy even, right? Which again is one of these ideals and that, that we are supposed uh, to forge these like meaningful relationships, which kind of give us like window into uh, other people's worlds. Uh, and that's well, what in many cases didn't happen really. So, and that's why we felt, many of us felt again, that uh, we really failed the ethnographic kind of project. And then um, the last thing, if I'm not mistaken, is on the aspect is writing up the fieldwork. And I think this is, again, partial epistemological thing, again, because it's, again, like, I think continuation of what Karim was talking about, because we are supposed to get to really 
get to know the field intimately, but like then, um, as again, anthropologists <laughs> know for like three decades at least, um, it's impossible to really convey that, right, uh, in a unbiased or like pure way, you know. It's kind of funny, right, because we would know that, like, or I think most of us do know that, and we talk about it at the summer school and whatnot, but then to actually face this daunting task of like writing up, you know, and like represent what you went through is just, again, very personal, or at least I think in my case and other cases, Katarina wrote her chapter about it as well, um, is again, like quite emotional. And yeah, I personally was really angry at myself for the way I wrote up my PhD. Then again, there is this pressure that you just need to finish it, right? Um, so, which is a different uh, different aspect, but still it's something that is looming well, in any project, right? Like at some point you just need to do something about these um, uncertainties. So yeah, I think, um, we also wanted to tackle this um, issue that fieldwork is also about representation, which I suppose, as with many other aspects, kind of goes unnoticed in IR often, that it's non-problematized, uh, the whole yeah, translating, I think someone calls it translating the fieldwork into text, basically. What really caused my attention is just this kind of thinking of, of expectations and uh, the, the structural sources of the expectations of, about being, you know, in the, in, in the neoliberal academia and how the IR as a discipline is structured. But you also talk about another interesting um, source of expectations, which is, you know, ourselves, our personal expectations and how we, uh, what kind of goals and ideals we set for ourselves when, when we venture into the field work or how do we want to write. And I particularly like the way, and I'm going to quote here, the way you talked about affective experiences of the researcher with larger political and epistemological investments of research. I would be curious to hear a bit more about, you know, what kind of larger political and epistemological investments of research uh, did you hint towards for this? Uh, no, so uh, I'll try to start. No, I think, um, again, that's something that like uh, Katarina kind of hinted at, that Okay, and I will be talking more personally, but I think, again, it captures, at least from the conversations we had, we had feelings or attitudes of more of the contributors, is, again, there's this notion, okay, I kind of hate IR, and one of the reasons is that it's, like, so detached, right, or the text I would read at my master's program was very kind of clinical, you know, um, and detached and so on, and then, uh, or yeah, I would come across like political ethnography and it was like super cool. I like the yeah, closeness to to the field, which at the same time was kind of um, yeah, imbued with super interesting insights from my perspective, at least the, the works I like were very much like detailed accounts of everyday life, but then also with like really much larger again, analytical insights. And uh, so this is something kind of ideal that I was trying for, basically, right? And, uh, but then, obviously, I'm not anthropologist, like, my ethnographic training is very scarce. There was this personal expectations, which was, again, disciplinary, because, like, yeah, I kind of was, I don't know, indoctrinated into IR. Then I found political ethnography, and I thought it was, like, way forward for me. But then I also internalized this, like, caveats of, re not ca also caveats of research, but, like, tenets of research. Right, which I felt I couldn't fulfill really then. So um, in this regard, even though it's personal, it's disciplinary, and like related larger point is that like we, I think a lot of us hope that you know going into the field and really talking to people to be very stereotypical about it, 
as opposed to just like, you know, uh, do discourse analysis or whatever, woods kind of make difference in terms of the scholarship we produce. And then I think that this is kind of like, uh, sorry, what's the expression in English? Like the bridge too far or something, right? It's kind of messed up because like um, you have you, you have to operate, at least I think most of us would still consider IR or critical IR uh, as their own discipline. So you need to kind of operate in that field, but then you kind of bring on this baggage of uh, requirements and expectations from a different discipline. So I think, which potentially I think is very productive, but like then again, like in terms of individual projects and like their conduct and your personal experiences, it can be quite daunting. Um, but just on the topic of expectations, I think I think uh, Vanda Vrasti has an article on this, maybe from 2008. I, I, I'm possibly very likely wrong, but like it's been a while. Um, and I think we cite it in the introduction. And in it, she basically says, you know, critical IR went to ethnography as a solution for particular problems. The solutions of kind of textual aporia, the, solu the solution to the political irrelevance um, for detachment, and the kind of ethnography was viewed as something that will resolve all of these problems. Um, whereas when you go to both anthropological literature and to the practice of fieldwork, you see that instead of kind of providing easy solutions, it actually opens up uh, many more complex problems. So I think that's also a part of where these expectations come from is that in international relations where fieldwork and ethnography, I think not anymore, but possibly were maybe 10 years ago or five years ago, even kind of more marginalized, that there is then that expectation that you will do something super special because you are doing this kind of edgy thing. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's again quite paradoxical in that precisely because it's not so popular, you expect it to do more. Uh, but I think that's also kind of changing slowly now. I mean, this year in which there is no field work, there's been three kind of IR field work books that I know of, probably even more. So I think this is changing slowly, but I think it's going to take a while to change the way that uh, individual researchers relate to these expectations. Because I think we also, and we say this in the introduction, like we went into field work kind of reading a lot of not just IR takes on this, but also lots of anthropological takes, takes on, on field work. And we were kind of aware of these problems, yet <laughs> we still kind of managed to preserve our <laughs> uh, kind of non-realistic expectations throughout this reading. And I think so maybe there is something to this kind of, you have to be in the situation to learn. You can't really learn from someone telling you, possibly, I'm not sure. So I do think that there's gonna be, um, yeah, th there's gonna be a, a longer time um, until this kind of literature actually translates into different expectations. But I think in that way, we did write specifically kind of from early career researchers, I would say to probably mostly early career researchers. Um, it's kind of a book that I would have liked to have read during my PhD, even though I had another book that kind of saved my fieldwork experience, which was Improvising Theory, um, which is also about political science fieldwork. So I think that's kind of who we were writing to as well. Also, apropos, you know, the expectations as being produced i think it was a chapter with uh, ximena and it, where they said that yes the the expectations are produced structurally but the failure experienced personally and there is this you know constant communication or interlinkages between the the the, pers the personal and and the structural and in that regard in general while i was you know besides just talking about the failure uh, while i was reading the book and i think i already mentioned that to you in 
in the email that I sent you. The whole book read as also not just a book about the failure, but a book about the care and a gentleness and, and the trust, trust between you versus an editor, and then the trust that you develop with the contributors. So it's some kind of a sense of solidarity and community. And there's a caring, the care is there in so many ways, care for research, care for uh, one's own conduct, can care for, you know, in editing process of approaching, because many of these stories, I mean, it, it, writing uh, in this way, it's very vulnerable, because as we already said, it's, most of the authors are early career researchers. So talking about, uh, as, as Ximena and, and Berit mentioned in their chat, it's talking about failure is a privilege as well. And it's, it is, it opens, not everyone can admit that, that they failed, right? And especially not to, you know, make an academic project out of it. Having in mind the structural conditions and having in mind the, the vulnerability of getting out with, with this kind of a book. I would also like us to talk a bit more about these, how should I put it, not the positive aspect of it, but, you know, care and gentleness and trust. And what kind of effective experiences you actually had while, while working on, on, on this uh, volume with your uh, contributors? So I think, I think in this kind of the, like kind of what's, yeah, failure is kind of associated with ne very negative emotions. And I think like reading the book, it's not just about the kind of the, the care of the like little community of authors that is created in the book, but it's also about the joy of fieldwork. I think that there is also like in all of the chapters, there is something um, that hints to kind of the importance of fieldwork and the joy of doing research through fieldwork, which I think um, can be easily forgotten in, in these lots of discussions about how fieldwork is problematic and how it doesn't go as planned, it's very difficult. And I think sometimes we, we forget to emphasize how it's also so, so full of joy and so full of excitement and so full of kind of life and the reasons why we actually want to go there. And, you know, maybe I'm saying this also because it's 2020 and everything's been canceled. And I don't know when the next time that I'll be able to kind of <laughs> uh, get, you know, ethics clearance to, or, or security clearance to, to, to speak to someone in person. Um, but I think there is also that in that there is kind of a lot of joy. And for the kind of the, this kind of the vulnerability of the, of the writing, I mean, a few people have told us that we are brave, that, that we were brave to do this. And whenever I hear this, I'm a little bit worried because <laughs> I don't know, being called brave is, I, means that we're doing something dangerous. And I didn't really perceive it as, I have to admit that I didn't really perceive it as, as dangerous uh, while we were doing it. Uh, but I think also maybe because we had, uh, we did have a lot of support and encouragement from Berit and Ximena. So I think maybe that's why we also felt, I didn't, at least I didn't um, feel like we were doing something super, super dangerous. But for this, uh, the question of community, I think, and this, I think it really helped that we met, met in person and that we had this, I think that we had this meeting in Prague that was really, like really not just inspiring, but it just like allowed everyone to be, become a bit more comfortable in writing in this way. And for the workshop, we didn't actually require whole chapters. We just required, I think, maybe 3,000 words or something like this. And then based on the discussion, people finished them. And I think this was a really, like, this was a format that really worked because then we could meet each other, discuss the things, and then kind of go into full writing. But I think something, and I think this is the last point on this community that I'm going to make. I think the, the, and this came out in other people's take on the book, I think when whenever you're kind of building a community to deal with kind of structural issues of neoliberalism, there is always the question of appropriation because like co-opting communities is kind of the neoliberal modus operandi. Um, so I think there is always a danger in kind of 
providing tools for resilience rather than challenging the structural conditions that, that ask for that resilience in the first place. This I don't know how to deal with, maybe because we are so early career that I feel so like far from any kind of decision-making power. But, you know, I think we all have our own ways of dealing with this. Um, and I kind of hope, I guess, in a better future, for lack of a more profound uh, comment. But yeah, I just wanted to say that I'm also aware of this kind of danger of cooptation that happens uh, with the communities. Yeah, but, um, I think Katarina summed it up very well, though the unease with uh, bravery thing. I don't know, like, maybe I wouldn't explain it. Like, many people would actually read it, to be honest. So with all you modesty, I would also be happy to read something like this before my field work, basically, you know? So I think in this regard, it is kind of, like, a gift to my alternative self, kind of, and, like, uh, other people who would be in this position because... Okay, to brag just a little, I feel like a couple of people did contact us or, like, uh, told us that they found it like helpful and um yeah supportive and whatnot and yeah as you were saying kind of caring and stuff so um so i think uh, or i'm happy to uh, hear that at least for some people it did kind of provide this um, notion of yeah again imagine community i suppose you also talk about you know uh, failure as a political concept so what is the the function of these uh, kind of reflections and failure in that regard I'm not sure, actually, to be honest. Like, uh, yeah, no, because, uh, again, okay, supposedly, right, um, in a kind of textbook way, uh, admitting your failure should qualify as disrupting or challenging the neoliberal norms of, like, you know, uh, self-entrepreneur... Okay, I can never pronounce this word in English. Self-entrepreneurship, you know. But like, then again, I think it might be overstating uh, this. Like, the, I think it goes back to this, like, whole resistance thing, right? Like, you know, I, I, I don't think the fact that, like, EIR published this volume would challenge, like, neoliberal structures, right? Like, EIR doesn't count as a publication at my department, for example, right? I don't know. I really lost track how the UK, whatever, ref thing works, you know, but, like, I suppose it's not crucial either, even though there would be, you know, like, again, public reaction or, like, you know, there people did at least talk about it unlike many other books, right, for example, with again, all due respect. But yeah, I, I really don't think that talking about it in itself is a kind of ch challenge to the conditions, structural conditions we live in. And not even in, per in personal, perhaps a bit, right? Like, that, like, yeah, I don't know, like, that's, it might be one of the incremental steps which kind of, like, makes you realize the absurdity of some things, basically, and how things operate, right? But, like, Again, I wouldn't go beyond this incrementality. Yeah, and I think like in this discussion, it's also uh, I think relevant to point to there is now an emerging literature on failure as a mm -hmm. political concept and also like as a theoretical opening. So I think here we don't really have to perhaps pretend that we came up with something kind of mm -hmm. totally revolutionary because there are other people who have written on this within IR and outside of IR. And, and I was recently on a Millennium panel with Debbie Lyle, who is writing a project um, kind of trying to conceptualize failure. And I think a part of it is this, that I think to, con to think about failure, like we have to have come out the other end quite well. Because I think, and, and this is one of the limitations of our book that I, I saw only later, is that in the book, we don't really have stories about 
kind of profound failure. Um, we don't really have stories about PhD students that abandoned their studies or PhD students that, um, you know, completely, uh, whose field, field work made them leave academia, or we don't have this kind of, we don't really have stories out of which nothing came out. Um, even though we do say, I think somewhere maybe in the introduction, we do say that we kind of want to do two things. So first, to like emphasize that failure can be productive in a way, like if, if you know, if you fail to make one meeting, something else can come out of this time. But on the other hand, I, I think what's really important that we wanted to emphasize is also failures as resistance to productivity, that some failures will never turn into anything productive and some failures will just stay this like very personal tears shed, uh, stomachs crunched, uh, uh, nights, you know, awake. So I think, but we don't really have stories about that very explicitly in the, in the book, which I think is a limitation, but I think it's also kind of the way that failure is conceptualized. And I think there will be kind of exciting work coming out of this. Um, like how, how where, where do we have to stand to even be thinking about failure in these terms, I think is an interesting question. At one point you talk about, you know, this uh, particular phase or stage or trend within IR, IR textual consciousness and the very that comes with the, you know, the neoliberal good intentions and need to, uh, that there is a need for us when we write to keep this in mind and to also carefully calibrate our writing styles. So I would like us to talk a bit more about the, the writing process and, and this intimacy in the writing, because I think the two, both of your chapters uh, speak quite well to that. I would like to, I guess, ask you, how did this fear from in, of intimacy in your own chapter manifest itself? Jakub, you're talking about depression and how depression has had a, a profound influence on your academic academic work and Katarina is talking about about this fear of intimacy in, in regard to using the I in the text, right? R writing in the first person. I guess my chapter was a bit, um, but the thing is that like, as I write it, like it's authentically, you know, like it's stuff that I've written over the Biden last like three, four years, I believe, something like that, you know? And then, so, uh, and then I kind of connected different parts and then uh, I think, one of the mo most substantial uh, Catalina's comments was um, kind of pushing me into actually saying why all this matters in a way, right? Like that because um, again, and uh, I hope I write it like to some extent. It's like for me, it was kind of, kind of ther therapeutical. Yeah, it, it helped me like when I was doing bad, you know, to kind of like write it down because uh, I guess it enables you this detachment from yourself um, and like objectifying of good sorts, I would say. Um, but then, yeah, the question, and I, I think this is quite important because then what Katarina was hinting at um, is this bigger problem of like when you write something and as most of the chapters do, something retrospect uh, introspective, sorry, introspective, then why should anybody else care, right? And uh, as someone who <laughs> likes like uh, autoethnography and narrative writing, um, I think there are like really uh, quite valuable insights emerging from this type of, it's not just writing, right? It's like whole, uh, I don't want to say epistemological process because I think it's more complex. It's the whole kind of orientation of, um, of reflection, let's say. But uh, still the question like why people should care about like one random Czech PhD researcher is valid, right? Katania was doing with regards to my chapter was like really trying to trying to make me reflect not just about 
yeah, it basically made, uh, she made me to reflect about like what are the actually again larger stakes, political and academic and disciplinary and uh, and so on in uh, my experiences and my reflection on these experiences basically, uh, which were uh, which I'm grateful for because yeah, uh, I really think that the the chapter uh, without that would be much more self-absorbed. Um, but I also think, uh, just on this point, I think that like here, kind of, and I think this is, I think this this was the kind of the world of ed editors. I think which came was quite new, I think, for both of us. So it, we were kind of, I don't want to say making it up as we went, but definitely navigating a new terrain. <laughs> um, and I think for me, the like when I was. Uh, giving Jakub comments on this, and I think this is kind of some it comes back to this idea of community and how we can help each other with writing. Like my reason for asking, kind of what the what the purpose of this is, is not just to push for these kind of analytical contributions. I mean, yes, on the one hand, yes, but on the other, I think it's really important to be honest with ourselves what we expect from our writing, just to prevent any possible disappointment in the end. So I think like asking Jakub, what do you expect this to do? I think for me was a way of kind of because it's such a personal chapter, and I think and I love this chapter, and it's I think so valuable to so many people. Um, I think when in fieldwork, but also in academia more generally. But then I just really wanted to be clear: is like you need to be you need to be clear on why you're doing this, just to prevent personal kind of disappointment in the end. And then you kind of added this part where just like you know I'm doing this to do this for myself. And I was like, that's great. Because that's like, then we can, then kind of, it's very clear what you want from it. And it's very clear that you can get this. Uh, whereas, I, whereas I think that sometimes there is this, um, yeah, I'm always a bit afraid of kind of the expectations that people have from writing. And I think that kind of goes into my chapter where I really kind of um, indulge in this questioning how we use the I and what is the place of this personal experience. And I think also the, the way that I write about it in my chapter, it's really not for people who are reluctant to use the eye. It's for people who kind of already are on, on, uh, in this project, but then like an invitation for them to more carefully reflect precisely on these kind of expectations. Um, and what are the costs of kind of us, you know, um, showing ourselves so much um, in the texts. And this, uh, here I have kind of a, I, I go into it in the chapter in detail, but I do have some kind of personal reservations on this, just because you know we we criticize these kind of neoliberal moves in academia so much, but at the same time we give it our most personal stories and our most personal relationships, which on the one hand can serve to kind of disrupt these these academic expectations, but on the other hand they can also be co-opted, and I think this is my this is my fear, and I think this is why I also pushed Jakub to be like be certain why you're doing this, you know, um, which I think is we have kind of, the, we have, I don't want to say responsibilities, maybe a big word, but I think this is what community and, and colleagues are really for, to kind of push us in our writing and in our thinking, to be very clear, not only about our analytical contributions, but also about personal stakes, because a lot of the chapters in the book are about personal stakes. It's not, uh, we don't really pretend that these are separate matters. Yeah, no, no it's like kind of, shows how messed up it is, right? Because, like, yeah, you, I guess uh, how messed up neoliberalism is that even these, like, yeah, uh, admirable projects can become commodified quite easily, right? And now people did make 10 years on projects like this, right? I mean, it's not super common, but, like, yeah, it apparently does happen, right? Now, I know this 
okay, and he's in different position because he's an Israeli professor who wrote one of the autoethnographic books, you know, and still, like, he's tenured and so he's completely fine, but, like, he said that, like, most of his colleagues didn't like it at all, you know, and they were telling him it's self-indulgent and whatnot, you know, so uh, still, and I think, I don't know him that well, but I think he did it, like, really as a kind of, like, self- reckoning sorts, like, you know, like with him being an Israeli Jewish citizen of the state of Israel, like, you know, kind of trying to make sense of it, which I think goes beyond that confine, but like still at his department and overall, no one really cares about this, you know, like, um, and then, yeah, the question is like, yeah, what is, what was it for really? Like, I personally like the book a lot, but like uh, the question that like Katarina asks, right? Like, what is the, what does a project like this do also in this particular context of Israel-Palestine, for example. So um, no, uh, I'm I'm just trying to say that like this is also basically a good question that like the or you know like good warning sign that like yeah just using I, uh, which I take as a representative of like this whole auto-reflexive turn, doesn't solve all the issues that we have with academia or neoliberal academia. If you would be doing it again, now from scratch, would you do anything differently? Okay, Katarina mentioned this, like, the case of total failure, or I, I don't know which term we want to use, but, like, uh, like 100% failure, I don't know, like, someone who really, yeah, would have, like, really, ex- I don't want to say traumatic, but, like, like so bad experiences that, like, it would really make them leave academia or whatnot, or, you know, that they, I don't know, like, it, like Simena, who couldn't, you know, make her field research in Poland, I believe, or there might be cases of like fieldworks, especially now, right, which wouldn't happen at all. And I think someone, again, I think we talk about it. Someone is writing a book about non non conducted fieldworks, I believe, right. Second thing is, which I hope we reflect, or like just in a footnote, uh, yeah, w- uh, we know that. Um, all the authors would uh, be considered white, you know, with one exception, with partial exception, which is quite complicated, like situateness of that author. So, uh, and I think, yeah, that like, you know, no, none of us really experience like really something uh, inferior, you know, inferior position, right? Like, it wasn't like someone like, I don't know, someone from Latin America, like doing research in uh, US borderland being detained by ICE or whatever, something like that. Right, like it was all quite privileged, I would say. Okay, uh, for me, it's super hard to answer beyond these more technical uh, aspects, to be honest. Like because, yeah, because it's kind of hard to disentangle the process of writing it, you know, and like editing it from where I stand now, you know. So, of course, I would probably do some stuff differently, but like then I couldn't do that if I didn't have this experience. If that makes sense, right? So, like in this regard. I would, I'm always thinking also about my fieldwork uh, itself, that like I would do so many things differently, but like then there's no point in saying that because I couldn't know this bit, uh, before it's like yeah, even embodied experience, right? So that's not very helpful, but like, yeah, I hope the last part kind of like shows my mental attitude towards uh, this issue. Um, yeah, I think I would definitely, um, I think definitely like look for someone, look for stories that maybe didn't end up in academia like look for stories that um look for failures that pointed someone outside of academia it doesn't necessarily have to be like super serious or you know like super traumatic because i think coming back to this kind of idea of intimacy i think um we would have to kind of gauge very carefully um 
what we can put in and whatnot. But I think just like to have more more varied stories rather than just the people who decided to stay in academia or stay for now in academia. That was one of the limitations. And the other limitation is that we don't really deal with race explicitly just because of the way that, um, that the author pool worked. Uh, so we deal with it some, somewhat in the context of Turkey and, and a little bit in Amina's chapter, but we don't really speak about it explicitly. So I think that's definitely um, a silence that is also telling of, of, the, of the kind of the makeup of academia and the makeup of people who do uh, field work, which I think is in itself uh, extremely ra racialized. So I think this is something that, like in kind of in, in the structure of the book that I would, um, that I would pay more attention to. As with my own chapter, I think it's so positioned in the time when I wrote it that I really can't, in, now it would be something totally different because I wrote it I wrote the first version as I was waiting for my Viva and then the chapter right after the, the, the Viva. So I, I can't really reoccupy that position. Um, I think, so I can't really kind of think of, of doing it differently. It would be a totally different thing. It wouldn't be changed. It would be a totally different thing. But I think, yeah, in thinking about the book, I think this, these particular silences are something that I would want to address. Great. So then I guess I will just ask you the question that every guest gets uh, in, in, on the episode. And that is, if you would like to share with us the last book that you read that made an impact on you. Yeah, so uh, no, it's not not academic book. Uh, I'm actually just finishing it. Like It's The, the Silence of the Girls by uh, Pat Barker, which is, like, I don't know if you guys heard about it. Like I actually bought it the, when I went to Bisa. Last time it was possible, 2019, right? Yeah, so I bought it at the airport because it was in, yeah, it was half the price. Uh, and no, it's kind of, um, it's it's actually quite interesting because it's like retelling of the Iliad. Is it in English, Iliad, the Homerian epos, from the perspective of one of the female victims? Basically, Agamemnon and the Achilles, they kind of fight over her, right? But like, it's, I think it's quite, Okay, there are like obviously the gendered aspects, but like I think it's quite interesting, like or inspiring for like scholars because it's basically what it does is that it looks at this like apples that I think everybody knows, or like you know, uh, I don't think the, the Czech education system is very like good, but like you know, everyone knows like the roughly what happens in Iliad, right? And then like you have this story like completely differently, right? Like it's not about these battles and stuff, but like about the um, hearts in which these women uh, live, like the, um, the violence uh, that they are exposed to and so on. And I think it's quite actually, no, it's almost like, feels like an ethnography of like uh, something, you know, this like grand narrative of like, you know, Western history. And suddenly you have this like completely different, like very um, subalternate, subalternative, Expect perspective. So I think, like to me, to be honest, more than the gender aspect, it's this like really retelling the story, which we all know from a completely different perspective, which makes you rethink what you supposedly know about history. Um, so I think the last academic book that I read in great detail was Daniela Lai's book on socioeconomic justice, who I think you had uh, as a guest. So I won't go into it, but yeah, just I think the way that she does a very she contributes to a particular literature, transitional justice, but does so much more. For me, it's just so refreshing. And I think I'm always 
in support of approaches that look at Southeast Europe beyond the conflict and beyond the violence, which is something that I do in my own work. So, of course, I was a huge fan of this book and the project. And I think now, I'm, I'm because I moved to Zagreb recently, so I'm reading an edited volume by Orlando Obat and Peter Bagaric, which is basically the retail uh, collected essays on the 90s in Croatia. And it's really... Yeah, it's just really refreshing in that kind of, I lived through this, but I was too young to kind of have these political thoughts. So kind of reading this now from the perspective of people who worked here, lived here, who studied these these processes is really refreshing. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, my kind of read more um, local, both academic and non-academic literature since coming back. So that's my current project. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll actually have to, uh, I'll make notes, so I'll have to check both of the books because they, they sound interesting. Before the end, is there anything that I haven't asked you and that you think it's important to, to mention when it comes to the volume uh, or to the whole idea of failure and, and field work? I guess it's just the only thing that I can think of is like, yeah, to thank all the contributors, the editors at the EIR and yeah, then the yeah, senior uh, co-workers, uh, Ximena and Barrett, uh, really for the help, and Asa for sponsoring that uh, workshop in Prague and the dinner and beer afterwards. So uh, yeah, thanks That's to important. everybody. Yeah, thanks to everybody involved. Um, yeah, and I think maybe, I think, I think we both agree on this, that I, I hope that the book is also not only inspiration to do field work when yeah. it's possible again, but also an inspiration to write differently or even not differently to just like write in the way that you feel like writing and then seeing what happens with that. Mm. Um, I think if I could kind of have one, like what I hope the book to achieve, I think that's one of the, one of the things that I would hope its effect is in the world. And again, it's open access, which is also very important. Well, uh, Jakub, Katarina, thank you so much for for finding time for this conversation and thank you for writing this book for editing it and writing your chapters thank you for having us yeah thanks for reading it and inviting us my name is Lajana Lazic and you've been listening to Opinion Peace Podcast if you enjoyed this episode and find this podcast useful for your ever-expanding peace imaginations and ponderings please consider supporting this podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you're getting your podcast. Until next listening.